Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are blessed. Aren't you glad we have this technology? Imagine what this would be like if we didn't have the internet and didn't have the ability with these cameras and, and the technology and the hardware to stream this message to you. So thank you so much for being faithful in your giving. You've provided the means for us to do this. And uh, thank you so much for taking time uh, there in your home or perhaps you're watching it uh, later on somewhere. Thank you so much for taking time to join us for our weekly uh, service. Well, we are continuing. Uh, this is, uh, we began last week on Easter talking about the fact that we have been restored. Aren't you glad that through the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection that you and I have been restored? And as promised, I told you that we would take the next six weeks and talk about what we have been restored to. We gave you an introduction of that last week and this week I want to begin those uh, I am so excited about this because I, I think that this this time that we're living in this this pandemic time with the with the social distancing and the lockdown the closing of things while it has some tremendous negative effects and we're praying that those end soon th this has created sort of a unique period of time for the body of Christ to demonstrate the things that God has done in them perhaps better than uh, than we've had in many years so. I want to talk to you this morning about being fruitful. You've been restored in order to be fruitful. And I know that that's a little bit of a religious rhetoric that, you know, we're supposed to bear fruit. We use that to talk about the good things that are supposed to come from our life. But I want you to know that the degree to which God can use you. If you're wondering what your purpose is, if you're wondering what, what God has placed you here for, if you're asking if, if there are times when the enemy tries to convince you that you don't have a, a meaningful impact upon the world or that you really don't have a purpose or at least one that's not sufficient enough to make a difference in the world, I want you to know that that is a lie from the devil that's your flesh trying to deceive you. Perhaps that's voices from your past that have come to tell you that you don't matter. I want you to know on the authority of God's word. In fact, before the heavens were made, before the earth was formed, God had already created a plan. He already saw you and he had already created a plan for you to be greatly important in this world and in the lives of those that your life will contact because you were made by God to be fruitful, uh, restored to be fruitful. So I want to begin this morning by reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, and then we'll pray and then we'll talk about how that God has created you and I to be fruitful. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise of your word. Lord, there are many things that are being shaken right now, many things that are being refined, many things that have been brought to question in this very unusual time that, Lord, the whole world is enduring. It's not just a neighborhood. It's not just our state or region. It's not even just our nation, but the whole world is calling to question some things, Father. 
And Lord, there are so many things that have shown themselves to not be secure. There are so many things, Father, that have revealed the true nature of their ability to make you feel secure or indeed to be secure. So many things that we depended upon, Father, that have eroded out from under us. Lord, I'm so thankful that even in times like this, and Father, even better said, particularly in times like this, your word remains firm. Your promises remain strong and true. So Lord, bless each one today. Help me preach this in a way that would bring encouragement and strength to each one that hears it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you were restored. I want to touch on that again this week. You've been restored. You were created by God to be some things that we lost in Adam and Eve's fall, but through the death of Jesus that we celebrated last week in his resurrection, you have been restored to the position in relationship with God that he created you to be in. Now, all of us, all of our being has not been restored. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the, the, the spiritual parts of us and the rights and privileges that come along with that have been fully restored. Let me read you some other scriptures that speak about your restoration. John chapter 1, verse 12. Let me establish that. Let me establish the restoration, and then we'll talk about restored to do what. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You say, Pastor, that doesn't use the word restored, but that's what it's speaking of because you were created as children of God. Adam and Eve were children of God. They had deep, intimate fellowship, daily interaction with him, we believe, and they lost that when Adam and Eve sinned, but because of what Christ did, we have been once again returned to be children of God. My goodness, that's good. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, Paul writes this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Listen, if this is the first time you've heard this message, and you say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a church person. Listen, while even when we were dead in our trespasses, that's speaking about the state before we accepted Jesus's uh, death and burial and resurrection, while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And, and what happens because of that? And raised up with him. Him who? Jesus. Just like Jesus was raised up, you were. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You've been taken out of your sinful life. Jesus died to pay the price. His resurrection sealed it, and you have now been taken. All you've got to do is accept what God has done for you, give him your life, and he takes you out of that old, unrestored, unregenerated state, and he lifts you back up into fellowship with him. Oh, what a blessing that you and I have received. You've been restored once you come to know Jesus. Oh, praise your name, Father. I am. I, I, if you were sitting in the room, I would ask you, are you glad you've been restored? And so many of you would say amen. So why don't you say it right now? Amen. I'm glad I've been restored. You've been picked up and put back where you were made to be. Oh, that's good. I, I had a thing that I used to say, and my dad, uh, I didn't spend a lot of time with my natural dad, but the times that I did, there was a thing that he never allowed me to get away from. If I would say, Dad, I can't, I can't do it. 
I can't. Oh, he would just, he, he wouldn't respond to anything else quite like he would respond. Yes, you can. Yes, you can do it. Pull a little harder. Try a little harder. Pick a little harder. Come on. Spend a little more time. He, he didn't entertain can't. And so many in our world today feel that spirit of can't. I can't be something. I can't achieve. I can't become. I can't arise above this. I can't, I can't go. I've lost. Maybe some of you are dealing today with a sense that you've lost something in your potential. I made decisions in my life, and I can't be all that I might have been. You know, my, my ship has sailed. My time has passed. The, you know, I had an opportunity. I, I did the wrong thing. I, I was engaged in relationship with the wrong person. I, I didn't save enough. I didn't become. Listen, all of those are consequential things, and all of them do have a bearing upon our life. But I want you to know you can. Why? Because you've been restored. All that you were and all that you have had lost, Christ Jesus redeemed that. He restored you. He saved you when you accepted him. And we've been restored. You've been restored to a number of things. We're going to talk about the first one today. First of all, you've been restored to be fruitful. I hear people all the time say, Pastor, you know, I try, but but I just can't be good. Now, I, I know what, I don't know exactly what they mean by good. You're not going to be sinless. That's not what we're called to. But you can be good. You can live righteous. You can bless others. You can tell the truth. You can work hard. You can make grades. You can get a job. You can find your dreams. Yes, you can. Why? Because Christ Jesus restored your created position. You've been restored to be, to be fruitful. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, I want you to notice some things in there that are so powerful as they speak to what you've been restored to. The first one, it says, so God created man in his image, in his image. I want you to think about that. You lost that image, but now you've been restored to bear the image of God. Now, that doesn't speak to how you look. Some people think that that's because God, when it says we were made in the image of God, that that speaks to the shape of us. Biologists would say that we have bilateral symmetry. What that means is that, and lots of created things have that, but a lot don't. But if you were to divide us into two pieces, you'd have the same thing on each side. You'd have half a nose and an ear and an eye, and we have bilateral symmetry. That, that's not what this is saying. Our image shows a bilateral symmetry to it. That's not what this is saying, that God is shaped like us. How do we know that? Because the Scriptures speaks about the image of God and his form. He can assume this image if he desires to, but God is more than that. And when the scripture speaks about us being created in the image of God, it's speaking about much more than us looking like some form in which God dwells. Because God doesn't dwell. Only, only humanity received that image. And that's not talking about a form. Some would say, well, you know, uh, some of the primates have a, a, a bilateral symmetry. They have arms and they have a, a sort of a facial structure. When they stand erect, they sort of, listen, that's not where we come from. That's not what that's speaking of. When the scripture's talking about the image of God, it's talking about the abilities. It's talking about the creativity. It's talking about the divinity. It's talking about the reasoning. It's talking about the creativity. It's talking about the ability to bless and be good. It's talking about the heart and the mind and the substance of who God is. We were created in that image. 
This is used figuratively because God doesn't dwell, nor is he limited by a human form. I do want to take a little side note here just for a second and touch on this. And I, and, and I mentioned it just for a moment. That man didn't evolve to this. This is one of the reasons why I just don't believe in macroevolution as it relates to us beginning as a primate and becoming what we were. We were made and crafted with the image, with the idea, with the heart, with, if you will, the soul, with the substance, not in degree, but in kind. That's important. We don't have the degree of those things that God does, but we do have the same kind of thing. We have the ability to love unlike any other of the created part of God's creation. It was part of the image of God that was bestowed upon us. We have the ability to forgive. We have the ability to reason. We have the ability to create. And they say, oh, but some other parts of creation have that. Yeah, but not to the degree that mankind does. And we didn't evolve into this. This was instantaneously created with, we were instantaneously created with the image of God as part of who we are. That's how you were made. God took a part of what he was. He lessened the degree of that and he shaped Adam into that being. And you bear that. When you fell from grace, when mankind fell from grace, it was that image that was tarnished. We still had two arms, two, two, two eyes, two ears, a mouth. We still function physically basically the same way, but what we lost was that divinity, that sense of the, of the spirituality, of the presence of God. We were made to be in degree not the same, but in function like our Heavenly Father. Mankind shares, although imperfectly and finitely, in God's nature. And God was and is creative and good and beautiful and wholesome. And he has the ability to bless and to give and to pour into others and to teach and to sustain and to grow and to plant things in the arena around him that produce life and goodness and wholesomeness and, and, and solidity. And that's exactly who you are. You were made in the image of God and when Christ died on the cross and was raised to life, you were restored to that potential once again. It's all available to you. Don't listen to the lie that says you're a second class citizen. Don't believe anybody who tries to put you down based upon any aspect of who you are or who you used to be. You are a child, a son and daughter of God and you have been restored to the full creative capacity in which Adam lived, not in his physical body, but in the spiritual part of you, in the personality parts of you, in the emotional parts of you, you are not limited by the sum total of your worst day. You've been restored. Oh, praise God, that's good. You were made in his image and you have been restored and returned to the potential of that image in this day. The moment you accept Jesus into your life, you're taken from the, the one hymn writer says, he, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. And that's where you are now. You've been restored to the image of your father. Oh, that's good. Don't let the enemy tell you that you can't. Don't let him convince you that you're broken beyond repair or that you're worthless or that because of some, even a series, even a life, how good is God's grace? Even a life, 
of transgression can be restored. When he cleans you, oh my goodness, you come out clean. Mm, what a good deal. Second in that, it says in verse 28, and God blessed them. Secondly, they were made in his image, but then he blessed them. Mm. How many of you like being blessed? We've got some buckets that are going around right now, making life better buckets, we call them. I think there are 10 of them out. We just started them. We, we passed them on to one person. And the instructions say that they then just pick somebody and they pass it to somebody else. Try to pick out things that they like, pass them on. This is a blessing. Just think about somebody and do something good for them. Just bless them. We understand the nature of what blessing means. It means to take of what you are and what you have and to share it in such a way. If I bless my wife, if I bless my kids, if I bless my neighbor, we all understand the context of that. But this says that God blessed them. Sometimes we think of that in the terms of a phrase. I bless you. Yeah, but it's more than that. That's a church tradition. In, in Hebrew, when you look at the original meaning of the word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it means, oh my goodness, to invoke divine favor. That God invoked divine favor upon Adam and Eve. Now, I'm a pastor. I have some degree of authority. I have some degree of... Uh, of uh, responsibility, I have some degree of ability. It might be significant to you for me to invoke, for you to have my favor invoked upon you, but I think pretty quickly you would run into things that would exceed my favor's ability to help you. I think we all understand that. You, you might be able to think of someone with the ability to really bring favor to you beyond me. Maybe you think of a, a governor or maybe the president or maybe a prime minister somewhere and their ability to bring favor to you might be substantial. Maybe you could get, in, get, into, get into some situation where you needed a, a pardon and they could with a stroke of their pen display favor to you and you would suddenly, well, you'd, you'd be off the hook. You'd be without penalty. That's the kind of thing favor does, where you, you get what you don't deserve. You get what you didn't earn. You play upon the ability of one greater than yourself, and that, that, person's, that person's strength comes to bear upon you, and then you are blessed in some way. But what's it like when the creator of the universe, come on, what's it like when our heavenly father, when he focuses his ability upon you, when you live under God the father's favor? It's easy to talk about. Mm, I, I live under the favor of God. That's easy to say, but I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, when someone does indeed live under God's favor, oh my goodness, my goodness what it does. And that's what it's just talking about. Because of 
Christ Jesus restoring us to where we were before the fall of man through his shed blood and his atonement. Listen, come on, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're up against. I don't care what you're facing. Should the, should, and I say should because it's not automatic. Should the favor of God come to bear upon your need, I want you to know that no weapon, no weapon formed against you can prosper when it comes up against the favor of God. No sickness can hold on to you if you live in the favor of God. No monetary need has any ability, no bankruptcy, no closing of a job, no pandemic has any ability to undo the favor that your heavenly father can pour out upon you. Mm. And he blessed them. Now let me, let me qualify this a little bit because this doesn't, some people want to some people want to make that out to be like a bubble that you walk around in that nothing difficult can ever touch you. And that's not Bible. This doesn't place a bubble around you that nothing hard or bad can get into. It also doesn't mean that these bodies don't at times break and get sick. You say, why? Why, why does the favor of God, if we've been restored, then why do these things happen? Because these, and the scripture even talks about it, this physical body is still waiting its redemption, Paul said. The redemption of our physical bodies hasn't yet happened. There is, we can pray for healing, but these bodies still get old. Have you noticed? Look at his head. This hair didn't fall out because of the favor of God. Sickness still comes. There'll come a moment when we will, Paul said, when this corruptible flesh, even somebody living under the favor of God, still lives in an aging body. There'll come a moment, though, when we are going to take on a restored physical existence as well. We're not there yet. It does mean, however, to live under the blessing of God. It does mean that while you continue living in this fallen world, you have the ability to mediate and pray for God's kingdom to come into those fallen situations. Matthew chapter 6, the disciples approach Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, okay, I tell it to you often. When you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. Do you know what that means? It's an inference both to the good and the negative. It is absolutely the request. God, bring this situation into a line with the kingdom of God here like it is there. Let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's also an admonition. It's also an acknowledgement of the fact that lots of times things aren't happening according to the will of God on this earth. And his will isn't being accomplished here like it is in heaven. So you and I have the ability because of our restored position. See, if you've not been restored in Jesus, you can ask, but you're not guaranteed. If you've been restored through Christ Jesus into the position of sons and daughters of God, you've got a right now, it says, to say, Father, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in this fallen situation. So God restored you into his image. He's restored you and blessed you in that and you say, well, where's the fruit? Well, here it is right here, number three. You were created to be fruitful. And your fruit is going to be good. There is, there absolutely is the indication that Adam and Eve were to have children and fill the earth. Some would say, you're, you're twisting the scripture because this is talking about them procreating and filling the earth. It, it is, that's in there, but it's more than that that's in there. 
there is that indication that Adam and Eve were to have children and to fill the earth, but their fruitfulness was not limited to just having children. Through their activity as God's mediators as well, through what they placed in their children, they were to build an earthly kingdom that brought glory to the Father. We've been restored to the position and to the responsibility of being those that through what gets produced in our lives, we produce those through our involvement in their lives who by their lives bring glory to our Heavenly Father. You see, a fruit is identified, and if you don't know this, a fruit is identified as the, the, the substance, the, I'm trying not to use the word fruit, the the part of a plant that bears within it the DNA, the seed. That fruit falls to the ground and that DNA begins to, that seed hits the ground and that DNA begins to replicate. And you and I are supposed to bear fruit. What is it that that fruit does? That fruit falls from us, if you will. It leaves us and it begins to replicate the DNA that was deposited in us through, the heavenly, through our Heavenly Father, through the Holy Spirit, and it begins to take root in others. We've been restored to the ability to bear fruit for God. You say, well, listen, I'm, I've just got a sour attitude. What you need is a good induction of the DNA of the Father. You know, I'm, I'm just sort of, I just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just not a very fun person to be with. You need a good dose of heavenly DNA. You know, I'm just grumpy most days. I don't, aren't you glad God doesn't wake up grumpy? Come on, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I've been hurt so deeply and I'll never be able to forgive. You need some heavenly DNA. You know, I'm, I don't like to say it, but I think I'm kind of lazy. God's not lazy. You know, I, I don't like to work hard. God, God's not God's not like that. You know, I, 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 I like getting stuff better than I do giving stuff. Come on, you need a little fruit of the Spirit in you. You need some of the DNA of heaven. You were restored out of that. That's that old nature. That's that old fallen nature. You know, I have a really tough time telling the truth. What you need is a little spiritual DNA. I have a really tough time keeping my promises or doing what I say I'm going to do. You need a little heavenly DNA in you. You've been restored out of that. John chapter 15, verse 5. Listen, I'm going to close this up. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You get up close to Jesus, some of the fruit of heaven is going to begin to reveal itself in your life. You've been restored to that. You can do it. You can live a life that draws people to the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. What does that mean? Before you were restored, you were a diseased tree. You didn't have the substance of the DNA of God. You had fallen, broken, fleshly DNA. But the moment that you took Jesus into you and, and, he, and he began to live in you and your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, that old DNA, it began to be overwhelmed by new spiritual DNA. You were restored to what your father created you to be. And you went from being a diseased, unhealthy tree to being a healthy tree, and a healthy tree bears good fruit. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Mm, I love this. 
Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. You might say, oh, I just, listen, that's just, this, this one always gets me. That's just who I am. No, that's who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. Well, I, I just am what I am. People just have to accept me the way I am. I just feel that way. I have, a, I have a right to feel. No, that's old. That's the old part of you. You've been restored. There's new blood flowing through your veins. You let your mind be transformed by the washing and the rejuvenation of the word of God. New DNA gets planted. Listen, that seed, oh, I love that. John chapter 15, verse 12, listen. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That seed of love gets planted down in you. Where from? From the love that Jesus displayed to you. That seed. Mm. The scripture says that some of the seed fell on good soil. Some fell on rocky soil. Some fell on soil with thorns in it. You're the good soil. And that seed, the scripture says that the seed was the word of God. And that seed took residence down in you. And the DNA of God began to germinate. And suddenly from out of your innermost being, from out of your belly, started to flow, not, not that old stuff, but the DNA of the power of God and rivers of living water begin to come out of you. You begin to pour out life to those around you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the son of God that lives in you, he's come to give life and that abundantly. Jesus is not walking around invisible, touching people, spring. No, he's doing that through you and I. You've been restored to bear good fruit. And you can. Lastly, Galatians chapter 5. What does that fruit look like? Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Notice, come on back. And goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, and self-control. Now listen to this. Against such things there is no law. What should be coming out of you? Love and joy? Let me say it differently. What can come out of you? I don't want it to be an indictment. I want it to be an invitation. What can come out of you if you're restored? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Mm. Do you feel like maybe the world could use a few more of those? Then what it needs is a few more people to accept the free gift of Christ's salvation and be restored and then begin to bear the fruit that God created you to bear. Father, this morning, you know where each one is. You know what they are. You know what they need. Oh, Jesus. 
Holy Spirit right now, if there be any that are watching this or that will watch this, that don't know you, that haven't been restored, draw them right now in Jesus' name. Right there where you are, friend, if you don't know Jesus, this is the time. He's orchestrated that you would watch this stream. He's orchestrated that you would maybe tune into this right at this moment. And maybe when you look at your life, it's in shambles. There's not much love. There's not much peace. There's not much gracefulness. There's fruit of the Spirit. They're just not there. Maybe when you look at your life, it's just it's just wreckage upon wreckage upon you know, I was in this, and that fell apart, and I was in this job, and then it fell apart. And then I was in this relationship, and it crumbled, and there's just, oh, there's fruit, but it's rotten. It's anger and bitterness and hurt. How about the people that you're around? Are they pushing you towards the fruit of the Spirit or that other stuff? It's a great litmus test for maybe, maybe you're with the wrong group. Do they constantly point out other people's flaws or are they constantly pushing you towards grace, reconciliation, and forgiveness? Which is it? Because the fruit that God created you to bear, it's good. It'll bless you. It'll bless your family. And it's going to bless the world all around. But you can't know that until you know Jesus. So if that's you right now, right where you are, you just bow your head right now and ask him, Jesus, forgive me. I need you. This guy's making sense. He's talking about me. It's almost like he, he stepped into my life and he's been talking about the way my life works and the way it looks. Forgive me, Lord. Become my Savior. I give you control of my life because my control is out of control. Forgive me, Lord. Restore me to what I'm supposed to be so that I can bear good fruit. I give you control of my life. I accept Jesus' death and his resurrection and I accept him as your son and as the Lord and Savior of my life, take my brokenness, Lord, and make something of it. Save me, redeem me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you did that, do something for me right now. Go down into the comment section. Just type the word saved. I did that for the first time. Just type out saved in the comments. Hit send. One of our staff members is going to see that comment. They're going to go through and they're going to watch all those streams today. Doesn't matter which platform you're on, we're going to find it. And if they see that you put saved in that comment, they're going to reach out to you through social media because we want to help you. We want to help you learn the promises of God so that you'll know His plan for your life and you'll know what He's done for you. If you're here today and you already knew Jesus, oh, isn't it good to be restored? Isn't it good to be able to bear fruit? I would challenge you, go bear fruit. Go bear much fruit. Ask the Lord, if you've already been saved, ask the Lord, Lord, catch me when I start spreading the wrong DNA. When I start spreading that old stuff, and sometimes even the believer is going to do that. We don't 
We don't live perfect lives. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when I start doing that, make me feel bad. Bring it to my mind. Remind me that I've been called and equipped. I've been restored. So it's now possible for me to represent the image of God to this world. God's got a great plan. And in these days that we're living in right now, there's never been a time where people are more desirous of hope and joy and peace. And believers, that's the image of God. He's called you to be those people. Spread that instead of fear and rejection and bitterness and worry. Spread the DNA of hope and love and joy as you've been restored. Let others be restored as well. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this good day. Seal up what we've done today. Use it for your kingdom. Bless each one of our Abundant Life family, Lord. Keep them safe and healthy. Put a hedge of protection around them, Father. Oh, Lord, bring us all back together in this room soon. Between now and then, use us to build your kingdom. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.